0: Glenn, hi. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much, Richmond. Yeah, really good. How are you?
1: Yes, fine, thanks. Fine. Good to uh, good to see you, and uh, and catch up. Where, where are you? Uh, where do I find you right now? Where are you? Uh, I'm actually based in my new uh, home office,
0: which we've just had built as a result of the whole lockdown uh, thing. Oh. And so this is in the <laughs> this is in the garden. Um, yep. It's a little echoey, maybe, because it's so new that actually there's no furniture really to speak of inside it. Um, so I hope that's okay from your end in terms of uh, the sound quality, but uh, yeah, that's where I am.
1: Okay, nice. So you're, you're down the end of the garden, are you? I am, yes. <laughs> <Eating worms. laughs> yeah, it's a really long commute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, I mean, look, it's it's been a, a trying time and a different time for everyone in, in lots of different ways. Um, how, how have you coped with with what's been happening over the last, what was a year and year and a half almost now, I suppose a year and a bit.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's um so I, I have to say on the from the get-go, absolutely appreciate that lots of people's experience of this has been really terrible. And you know, but genuinely my, my sort of heart goes out to people for whom that's that's been the case. Um, and therefore I'm a little bit sensitive when I kind of say that actually big we've we've kept ourselves super isolated. Um, not for any particular reason, other than we just, you know, wanted to do the right thing um, as we saw it. But um, I have to say, it's been other than missing the people closest to you that you couldn't contact at different times. Um, business has been quiet, but honestly, I'm just so grateful that things have actually been pretty okay. Um, I'm, if if one has a, a sort of belief in the idea of kind of personality types or personality preferences, I'm usually find myself off the scale introvert and uh, and so actually being here now in the office at the end of my garden kind of works for me. Yeah. Um, I'm staying connected with people like yourself and everybody else over Zoom as so many people have done. I have found it an in, genuinely a really interesting experience to reflect on
1: but, but actually fine. Yeah, um, I have to say, yeah. yeah, no, that's that's good to hear. You know, a few people have said that, haven't they? That um, it, it sort of suits them to to stay at home a bit more. You know, there's not the pressure to go out that kind of thing, and and to, yeah. to socialise necessarily, or to be in places where there's lots of people um so so yeah i mean i think it's it's absolutely fine to to say that we only have our own experience don't we i think it's
0: well and exactly and i'm not you know i'm not i'm not going to i I just want to be sensitive to other people's experience but i can only speak of my own and and actually it's it's been great and particularly as we've opened up a little bit and you know you have to see people we moved in in november um and the week after we moved in we moved into that sort of weird lockdown whereas all the tears and um and we had Uh, Christmas was scheduled to have my parents over and come and see the new house and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, and of course that all disappeared and uh, including the fact that we've got Christmas dinner waiting for a collection at a a supermarket chain I won't mention which happened to be in tier three and we were in tier four so we couldn't even go and collect it (laughs) but my parents actually were in
1: that tier three so they went and got it so they benefited from us being in lockdown (laughs) they they had a nice time okay okay yeah they had a lovely dinner yeah Yeah, didn't go to waste that's good that's good yeah for sure (laughs) now um I can't remember how long we've known each other it's Probably three years or, or something like that. Yeah, like three or four years, maybe. Yeah. And um, and and over that time, it, it appears to me, and you'll correct me, that that you've been involved and you do, you know, some different things. Um, how how do you describe yourself or define yourself in yeah, what you do?
0: <laughs> That's a really good call, actually. And and I and I know that my ability to get involved in involved in a number of things is both a strength and can be a bit of a trap. So uh, I, I love creating solutions and products um, that I think have a place in the market. But if I was gonna critique my that ability, I would say sometimes I create products that I think the market will like, rather than responding to something that we know is a deep seated kind of challenge. And I can reverse engineer those things often to fit. Um, but so, so I think there's something around kind of being somebody who's quite strategic, um, very interested in the kind of future of, so whether that's future of life, future of work um, and seeing opportunities in that. So yeah. I would say that, that that's definitely part of my, my makeup, I guess, um, yeah. is the ability to sort of, and, and if I have a strength at all, it's being able to assimilate those things into some sort of coherent whole that that's often new or, or yeah. sort of unique, I guess.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's a kind of a bringing stuff together, but then also seeing where you can put it in relation to something useful for the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I and I you know genuinely like to think that you know the things that we produce as, as a as a company are helpful for people. Um, we know that you know I know you used, because I've been the beneficiary both personally you know as a, as a mate, but also as a professional your coaching approach. You know that we know that coaching works in lots of different contexts, in lots of different with lots of different people, um, and so knowing that benefit, you know, I'm keen to to share it uh, as, as broadly as we can. I just have to be aware that you know creating new products willy nilly is probably mm. not the best business strategy. <laughs> <laughs> it's trying to be led by the market rather than necessarily trying to lead the market by the nose.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so you're not describing yourself then as a coach um I, I am and and i love
0: doing that sort of coaching work um i've been doing it since 2002 um and it and it's very much part of what i do but but i primarily see myself as somebody who is a you know business owner um trying to drive you know growth in a business our own that big through help genuinely helping more you know an increasing number of customers yeah so yeah that's okay probably my okay. primary role
1: yeah. So, are you are you st- are you doing some coaching at the moment? Like, be- if I want to call it basic coaching with someone working on their whatever's, are you doing that?
0: Yeah. So, I have um, four or five uh, customers that I work with. Uh, they've been put forward typically by their organisation, so their organisation will sponsor uh, them to go through that. Um, and I, yeah. So, I love that, and, it, and I think it is important to to keep practicing because it will inform. The products that we then build off the off the back of that so i think being detached from that completely would be the wrong choice for me and, yeah. and uh, because i need it to inform what we do yeah um but i do less of it and i'm quite comfortable doing less of it i've got a fantastic team of associates for whom when the opportunities come i can you know give out the work to them knowing full well annoyingly they'll do a brilliant job much better much better than I would probably do it I mean it's brilliant for brilliant for our customers but there's a little bit of me a little bit of the ego that is at play where I kind of go no they're fantastic they're fantastic blast they're so fantastic
1: (laughs) I like I like your your honesty oh yeah I think we would all feel that that way to to a degree um so what would you say is your your style of coaching
0: yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. and I, I, I'm a great believer in the fact that a coach should have a response to that question. I don't think it matters what that response is, just the fact that you've thought that through, I think, mm-hmm. is is really important. And so I, I tend to describe my style as a kind of an integrated coach, so I use a range of different methodologies, um, mostly, I would say, which are centered on cognitive, behavioral, um... Uh, and certainly developmental coaching. So those would be the two areas that I tend to work on. And for those that aren't familiar with those terms, I think cognitive behavioural is, you know, what does your thinking do to your external behaviours and, and what's the dynamic interplay between those two things? And, and if you're a bit stuck, um, you know, what might need to change in order for you to, to operate differently um, yeah. and to think differently? Um, and developmental is that, I, you know, I think I do my best work with people who are often in their, getting in their own way uh, and need to develop a kind of more sophisticated range of responses to contexts and situations that they find themselves in. So
1: I, I guess it's those two, sort of an intersection of those two, I guess. Yeah. So, so you like working with people who have got sort of kind of stuck and stuck because maybe they've got a limited range of ways of dealing with certain situations or tricky situations.
0: Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think that they may have a they may have a very wide set of responses, but, it, but it's just not wide enough um. to take them to that next level. So, you know, this is not um, where I, I don't operate for very effectively is in what we might back in the day have called remedial coaching. So, you know, it's for somebody who's super underperforming and the, the organisation or the business is trying to support them i think back in the day they would often be given coaching as a way to help them exit um, <laughs> um uh, which is not my but i, I you know having coming from a sort of high performance background myself i think my sweet spot is in you know people who are already very good and want to be kind of uh, exceptional and and if i can help them do them, that, that, that that's fantastic
1: yeah so it's, it's kind of taking the the perhaps already peak performer or, or or kind of teetering on in yeah. in that kind of zone of being yeah i'm a peak performer as much of the time as as possible
0: yeah yeah and i and, you know that's probably where i where i i do my my best work i think um, i'll never forget probably 15 years ago now uh being very fortunate enough to listen to somebody at the at the time who was considered one of the very best sports coaches in the UK, um, sadly no longer with us, but but defined a kind of 16 box grid of how sports coaches could think about where their sweet spot is, you know, and for some people their best sweet spot uh, in a sporting context, you know, was with eight to 10 year olds who were very first picking up the idea of being, you know, um, physical and capable and agile and all those things. And they're brilliant there, but they mm. wouldn't be so good with your internationals. And there are some people for whom, you know, the, you're, you're working right at the very top end of sports performance, um, but you wouldn't any, go anywhere near working with eight to 10 year old kids. And, and yeah. I think thinking about that maybe really sort of stop and consider, okay, where is my sweet spot? Um, and, it, and it is in people who've got a mindset to develop themselves, some aspiration and to drive to kind of keep moving forward. Um, yeah, so I, I guess that's kind of where my head came. And it's just interesting, we get those influences, isn't it? That was, mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't expecting to come away from that particular session, thinking, oh, that's kind of really deeply made me th- think deeply about, you know, where is my sweet spot? And I don't think it's necessarily fixed, but it was just interesting, uh, just as an interesting insight. Yeah, yeah. So how... I guess you, you probably got that in, in your work, right? So there's, there's probably patients and situations with which you, you do better work um you know or, or you enjoy more or you're more effective than than others maybe I would guess. It's not say we can't work in those other spaces. It's just it's just that's perhaps where your where your best you know your sweet spot is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think that you know working out our the the person that is ideal for us to work with, where we can do our best work is is a really valuable exercise. You know, the um, you know where we can Identify their their needs quite clearly with with them mm-hmm. through conversation, and then and then work on that. And they're motivated and, and willing to. Um, then you, I suppose you're talking about getting into that state of flow.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting idea, flow. I, I I I do recognise it, and I think it's um quite can be quite elusive. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant when you're in it. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it is. It is flow state if you can achieve it. But at least, if not, you know you're sort of in in
1: within touching distance of flow. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think it is a slippery eel. It's one of those things, isn't it, that you 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 can't just do. It, you can't just get into flow. I don't think you, you. There has to be a sort of a set of circumstances and a and a particular state. You might get better at setting up those circumstances, but I don't think you can just grab it. I, might I think the point, no, I, I, I think the point you made, there's
0: absolutely spot on, Richmond, which is, if you know what it is, and, and, and part of that would be, you know, the kind of people and the kind of situations that they, they are working in, would be one of those contexts to set up where you can. Um, definitely, I think it's, it's, okay, this is where I do my best work, this is when I am in flow, this is when, really importantly for me, I, I don't know whether, if I'm in flow, does that necessarily make it better for my, cust- you know, for my um, coachees? So that the, there is something there to be aware of too. Yeah. One would like to think, if you extrapolate, that the better I'm performing, the better experience they get. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's always the case,
1: but yeah, I think no,
0: setting it up consciously is really, really important.
1: Yeah, that's that's such a good point, isn't it? Because we could easily make the assumption, hey, I feel great in this session that, that they must be too. And we're so caught up in our own feeling of greatness. I don't mean that from an ego <laughs> way, but, you know, you that, that actually we haven't noticed that uh, so so we uh, i guess then you you know to to coach well you you also need to be very self-aware and very present i, I think
0: both of those are key to to doing coaching whatever form of coaching you know that 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 is and, and it does seem that the marketplace is full of people who stuck coach somewhere in their title <laughs> um but i do i do think i do think the self-awareness piece is absolutely central to that um and and i think if you are somebody who thinks that you've got self-awareness nailed to the extent that you know you you're able to produce a sort of perfect version of that i think you're probably only looking at it from one angle which is from yours out and ultimately i've always felt that the 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 decision about whether the session was any good or not should always come from the client or the coachee in our in our case um, because i can't determine that i can only to your point from earlier on which i really love as an idea you can only set up the context for doing
1: your best work
0: um, and the rest is is down to the you know down to the participant i think
1: yeah yeah I, I totally agree you know people often talk about outcome measures for you know and and you know so you can get some figures on on how things have, have gone um and that's fine you know there's there's definitely a role for that but but how how closely does that capture the experience of the coachee you know the client the the patient the person um when actually they could just say to you hey that was a great session that really helped because of a b and c um or yeah that didn't it didn't kind of really capture what i needed to do at that point you know feedback good feedback yes
0: yeah Yes. And I don't know that either of those are necessarily accurate because, you know, the danger is that people, somebody only gives you a sense of the feelings in the moment. You know, I, I would say, I'm sure you will have had too. you know, sessions, which felt really kind of gnarly for both of us. You know, they were sticky. It was, it wasn't flowing. It was, you know, but actually they're often the ones I think where the reason that they're like that is because you're both working really hard. Mm. Now, my experience of that, if I was a if I was on the receiving, it might be that I wouldn't rate that as highly as one where we're, you know have a bit of a laugh and it's all flowing along nicely. Da, 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 da. I, I, you know, I think there's a there's a blend here around how does it feel combined with ultimately what are the outcomes? You know, what's changed as a result of the work
1: that we've done together and then that you've gone away to do on your own. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's a really great observation because you could you could have a, a great session. And, and really have achieved very little, apart from having a great time together. And that's fine if, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But if there are particular goals that, that needed to be, you know, either a plan to reach them or, or to actually reach them, and, and all you've done is kind of, you know, exchanged anecdotes and, and yes. sort of slapped each other on the back, then, you know, no, nothing's been done. Whereas, yet yeah, a really uncomfortable session, which often has to be had, because if, I suppose if if there was no discomfort they wouldn't even need to come and see you in the first place
0: yeah and and i i I think the challenge with coaching and it may be true for your profession too is that that sometimes i get a sense that you know um, a particular session might feel relatively flat but over the course of the four coaching sessions that somebody might have, a leader might have, you know, over that six months, it's about the sum of, rather than any given moment or any single conversation. You know, is this building towards what you need and you wanted at the get-go? Um, and so I think there is just occasionally, I, I'm, I'm heard what you said earlier on, you know, sometimes people say, that didn't quite do it for me or I, I didn't quite get what we needed. Um, then sometimes I'll just say to them, well, I accept absolutely what you're saying, just just hold on a little bit and just see it in the round. Mm-hmm. Um, because also you don't know in the moment quite what you've taken away. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you won't know that until you're doing the. Somebody said to me recently, which was also a little bit frustrating, <laughs> You know, some of the very best coaching you do, Glenn, is actually um, when I'm not in the room with you. <laughs> so, so it's kind of what I do in between sessions, and I I know what the men bless them, and, and, and I said thanks, <laughs> yeah. even then. Yeah. And I know I you know I, I think there is something about the effect of coaching isn't just the 90 minute conversation. It's it's the whole. It is the end to end bit, I think, and then beyond. You know, I finish up with somebody after four sessions. It's actually what's the sustainable change. That they're making over time my master's degree i finished in 2009 and i was looking at return on investment for coaching you know and we stopped trying to analyze what that return on investment was three months after the end of the program it was 45 leaders and we measured them all and then we measured them three months later but actually i wonder you know what happens if i've gone back six months later or Mm. a year later yeah. Um, you know, and what and how many of sustaining that change and therefore what is the return on that investment? Um, yeah. yeah, really just interesting.
1: Well, Sustainable it, change. you know, because you, you can go wider and wider and wider on that and actually say, well, how, how do you ever really know how effective, how useful it is, you know, in the long term for, for life? Um, I suppose we need to ask people when they're right at the end of their lives. Was that, was that helpful back then, you know, 25 years yeah. ago or, or whatever? Um, yeah. you know, it's a bit like um, a football team, isn't it? For example, saying that they're the most successful club in Europe, say. Yeah. And, I, um, and, and that will be measured by obviously the number of trophies. But but by by when is that like that's like now. But what about yeah. in five years, ten years? So yeah. these things are movable feasts. So I always yeah. struggle with with that because it's very suggestive that that's it. Boom, stake in mm-hmm. the ground. Um, and and I think the reason why I'm interested in this is because you know people vary so much in their kind of appraisals of of the type of work that that we do you know, mm. the people we work with will, will judge how it is, you know, have I got better or am I moving forwards, based sometimes just on what we've done with them, as, if, as opposed to that, that bigger picture and all those other variables yeah. that we, we as coaches have no control over. So their past experiences, their genetics, yeah. uh, two, two yeah. examples.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, if you think about it as kind of, you know, that sort of uh, concentric circles, ripples in a pond kind of idea, you know, if somebody changes a certain thought, a sort of way of thinking, it's not just going to affect the thing against which they were changing that thinking. To your point, it'll it'll seep through potentially all parts of their life. So if mm. I re-identify myself um, because of some other work that we've done, that's not just going to work for me as a leader in an organisation when I'm working with X, Y, and Z. It's quite likely that that developmental work will stay with me in all parts. In fact, I, I, again. I'm sure this is a shared experience to some extent between us. I've had people who said to me, you know, not only am I using this work at work, but actually it's really helped me with some relationships at home, for example. And actually I'm using a slightly different way of thinking with you know, and it's it, a genuine example but perhaps not an ideal one but you know struggling to have a relationship with my teenage son or my teenage daughter and thinking about the work that I'm doing with my team at work and now I can translate that back and, and yet we would never measure that sort of thing typically mm, but yeah. what a brilliant what to some extent as a as a coach I'm more interested in that
1: <laughs> you know yeah. and
0: the fact that you, in the round you've developed as a human being oh, that's that's awesome awesome it's very privileged work for sure
1: yeah, no, it is, and it is great when you get these kind of knock-on effects, or, or you know, um, someone else from the family then comes along and says, "Oh, yeah. you know, the, you've mm-hmm. been, yeah, there's been some really great effects. You've been working with so and so." So I thought I'd come and and you know have a chat as as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's great when that happens. I mean, yeah, get so going back because you, um, what what was your master's in? So it was in
0: coaching and mentoring. So I did my masters at Oxford Brookes University, which is one of the certainly at the time as one of the two uh, universities in the world that were recognized for primary research into that coaching and mentoring space. So there's um, Sydney University in Australia and Oxford Brookes University were both very research oriented um, rather than sort of necessarily just practice oriented masters. So I found that um, suited my style. Uh, and then um, obviously latterly
1: I, I finished my doctorate and I went back to Oxford Brooks to, to do that. Yeah yeah okay so so but, and then before the Masters what, what was the kind of the route down that what, what, how did you sort of end up doing that?
0: Yeah um, it was really interesting because I, I was a teacher so when I left school and university I, I was a PE teacher so um, coming from a sporting background that seemed like a logical yeah. <laughs> route for me I also my, my mum uh, was rather a, a PE teacher and then a head teacher of, of mm. a school so I had a little bit of that in the background uh, and did that for 10 years absolutely loved it Um, was getting a little bit frustrated with the pace of development and opportunities. I was at a fantastic school in South London, teaching in an all boys, 1400 boys, um, 11 to 18, absolutely loved it. But as I saw it as a probably slightly arrogant, but also very um, ambitious 28 year old, 30 year old, I wanted to move up, up that ladder sort of fairly quickly and I just didn't see those opportunities. So I, I stepped out of that and set up my own business.
1: Mm.
0: And early on, my mum had retired at that point. So we set up an education consultancy that was very much around leadership and development inside education. And then that morphed over time into uh, develop, you know, working with leaders and coaching and whatever. And, and I sat uh, at Chelsea Football Club, which I think is a club fairly dear to your heart. Is that right? Is that your Is that your club? No. no not at all oh, for some reason I thought okay oh he said it's some feeling <laughs> yeah, don't worry I'm
1: not, I'm not offended <laughs> I were near that, but I don't I'm not a fan okay I
0: thought for some <laughs> reason I'd seen an Instagram post or something with a Chelsea show but maybe maybe not um but I was I was sitting there doing some you know because they often hold uh, corporate events there yeah and I was I was sitting down with with a fantastic woman whose name is Sharon Sands and it was suggested that I have a chat with her about moving from sort of training mm. into coaching and and this was 2001 too um had a chat with her and, and never looked back and was blessed with the fact that she was my mentor really informally early on yeah. and by about 2007 so five years later I'm thinking I need to formalize my understanding of this a bit deeper I've, I've had a lot of practice now I want to formalize my Insights and be able to step my practice up to the next level, and so lots of opportunities even then to take that development route. Mm. Um, but I ended up uh, going to Oxford Brooklyn, yeah. to, to do my masters. Um, so that was the kind of the, the process to get mm. me to that point.
1: Well, what was it that she said to you that that really sort of switched the light on for you? Do you remember?
0: Yeah, I, I do. It was I, I'd said to her, I'm a bit dissatisfied with. Running, you know, two-day leadership programs, which I really enjoyed doing, and there was lots of energy in the room, but not seeing the transfer back into the workplace. Mm -hmm. So to our point from earlier on, people could leave thinking I've had a great day, met some lovely people, and it's been fun, Mm -hmm. and I've learned a lot, but it didn't translate into and now I'm performing better, or I'm Mm -hmm. able to deliver more impacts back in the workplace. And I was just having that chat with her, and she said, well, you know, one of the ways you can you could address that is is to think about you know using a more individualized approach and coaching looks at sustainable change and sustainable development so you know perhaps that's a space that you might want to have a look at so I we chatted a bit further and she then she was bless her at the, at the end of that conversation said to me from from the little bit that I have gleaned from this conversation you'd be great at it you'd you have no you know you'd have no problems doing that at all so I kind of took that in the spirit and and kind of ran with it from that point Mm. so it was about that sustainable it was the possibility of helping somebody change sustainably
1: which was the hook which was the hook yeah so on a practical level then how did that change what you were doing with people
0: yeah so I over time and it did take probably longer than it might have done but I um, bear in mind I came from teaching so I didn't have a big network in the Private sector to be able to sort of uh, hook into. Um, I've worked as an associate for a number of different organisations, doing develop, doing training in inverted commas, but more and more just seeking out opportunities to do one to one coaching and I remember it felt like it was I'm sure it wasn't but it felt like for about 18 months I did nothing but do 360 report coaching (laughs) so somebody gets a 360 you sit down with them work through their 360 report and it just felt like as I say I'm sure it wasn't but I just seem to spend an awful lot of time doing those for about 18 months or so yeah
1: that, that sounds a bit sort of formulaic
0: uh, yes and no. I think yes, if, early days. I think if I go back, I probably cringe at some of the uh, <laughs> some of the sessions that people were were getting. Um, but actually, probably because I was doing so many of them, it enabled me to sort of freestyle within a framework uh, a little bit more. So actually, that that kind of worked. Um, yeah, that that kind of worked over time.
1: Yeah. So at that point, would would you have called yourself something along the lines of a business coach?
0: A uh, leadership coach was was the term that sort of stuck with me from, I would say, about two thousand and five six yeah. through and through until you know re- actually relatively recently. I would say, suggest.
1: Yeah. Okay. And and so then you went and and started to sort of get into the the kind of the research, the, the statistics, the data, the theories, the models, all that kind of stuff, I assume.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a great program for me. Again, I, you know, I think one of the things I'm very conscious of is that people learn very differently and learn in different contexts and, and lots of coaches that I know want to, you know, go and do development. That is, you know, observe my practice, give me feedback, you know, treat, show me a new model da, 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 da. And, and I absolutely respect that. It just, it, it just so happened that, More academic, and I'm not an academic. I'm genuinely not. I'm a passionate practitioner, um, but more of that kind of lecture to let me sit back and think about it. I'll reflect for a bit, you know, put my thoughts down through writing, which has always been a really useful vehicle for me to sort of make sense of my thoughts, Um, and that just really worked as a as an approach to me developing a deeper understanding of coaching. I don't think my coaching improved in the two years that I was on the program. It definitely improved in the three or four years after so that 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 thing we were just talking about it's funny i would never thought about it until I got this conversation but probably my coaching did improve a bit during but all of that knowledge that I took I think honestly meant that that next three or four years was a really rich sort of purple patch yeah. um, because of the all of that data I was making sense of
1: yeah yeah so so then how how did your coaching change in in style and approach in in that Three or four years afterwards, that you just described.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it became clearer to me where the sorts of styles that that I was had enough knowledge and sense of to be able to apply meaningfully and, and in the right kind of context. There was a there was definitely a confidence that came from having that depth of knowledge. So there was no doubt that um, that that I think I went into sessions. Just clearer that I probably could help, you know, help people, and that's that's always nice, right? So you know, yeah, yeah, as long as you don't get carried away. <laughs> but there's a kind of you know, sort of confidence enough, and, and yeah. some, some self-efficacy was was really helpful. Um, yeah, I think beyond that, probably probably not so much. But they those are two pretty important ingredients, I think, mm-hmm. in uh, in doing different work
1: better. Yeah, yeah. So so if you were talking to you know an, an aspiring um coach would would you encourage them to to go to that level or what what would you suggest they should do Do you know
0: yeah I I can't tell you how many of those conversations I have a month I mean (laughs) I I seem to be you know and I love it by the way so I'm really you know always very happy to have that conversation but I I circle back to knowing what you know of yourself and how you like to learn you know what might work best for you and then here are all the different I, I don't know them all but you know here are typically the places you might go mm-hmm. to get that style of of development now somebody rightly only challenged me relatively recently i think it was the, the back end of february time and she said actually what i'm going to do is i know that my preferred style is this i actually want development that looks like this because that will be stre- a big stretch for me and that's great yeah. so you know if she was really clear on what she wanted awesome yeah. um, but I do think there's something in knowing enough as a coach is important um, because A, it's privileged work. It's also quite sensitive work in the sense that, you know, you could, uh, there was a horrible article. I say horrible. There was a there was an article which was kind of clickbait. It was about in 2007, eight, and it was written about, you know, the harm that executive coaching can do or the damage, it might even have been the damage that, that, hmm. that uh, executive coaching can do. And it made a case for, you know, people that don't know enough about human psychology, um, you know, and about the way that people construct sense making and all those kind of things, you know, could leave people in a really bad place if you are working with a a coach that doesn't get some of that. I understood what the article was trying to do. As I say, it felt a little bit sort of um, like a bit of clickbait as much as Mm -hmm. anything else. But it got a lot of traction oh really um, yeah it did and, and um, that's fine and I think it perhaps helped some people stop in their tracks and go actually have I got enough development to be able to sidestep that kind of argument yeah. Um but it, but it, for that for that purpose getting that development and and being keen on ongoing development I think mm. uh, it is probably an element or a, a marker of a decent coach you know yeah that's. Yeah, and, and in our in our, I, I, I'm not sure for you, I, I, maybe you do, but I know in the health industry particularly they have this idea of supervision, and in coaching, we have supervision. This idea as you know that you know every now and again you go to sort of like a coach's coach. Mm. You might take either a really sticky example or a theme that you've noticed about your own coaching, and then you know another very highly qualified coach will help you unpick or make sense of or challenge or develop you. And so that's that is one constant piece of development and then as you say there are programs that you could you could kind of uh, tap yourself into for sure
1: yeah i mean that's interesting that so do you do you have to do the supervision is that compulsory the problem uh i have to say richmond in the
0: coach is completely unregulated coaching so okay. you know um so these are all things that are, are being suggested and yeah. and you do that because professionally that feels like the right thing to do i don't describe coaching as a profession by the way i describe it as an industry for that very reason yeah. um you know i think it, there's no quality assurance um yeah in that sense.
1: yeah and you said so many people are calling themselves coaches now and you know when when i sort of i, I loosely say sort of coined the term pain coaching because i felt that's what i was doing um how many years ago I didn't really see anyone else calling themselves that. Now you, you look on Instagram, there's quite a just there for example, there's quite a few people calling themselves pain coaches. You know, yeah, I don't know where they've got that from. As in, I'm not saying they necessarily saw that I was doing it, some may have sure. done. Um, but there, there's no, you know, as, as a patient or a person then looking, you you don't know. you don't know what you know what what's what you're getting yourself into so although that article you know might have swung you know some way in a particular direction there's there's something in it isn't there of the of knowing your boundaries as you know where where you're coaching and then where therapy might be because some people's bother and and difficulties and struggles may indeed stem from from trauma or or non- unprocessed issues from something that's happening or has happened. and and that might not be the appropriate arena to to deal with it. There might be elements if it's being dealt with in the right way therapeutically that, that then it can work alongside and to help the person, or whatever. Um, but but how, how do you how do you kind of monitor your own boundaries?
0: Yeah, it's a it is a really good question actually, and I, and I think it's a pretty inexact science in some respects. Um, uh, so I I think a lot of that comes in the contracting piece up front and getting a sense of what the person wants to work on. Um, yeah. And as much as I really really don't like the process, there's something in coaching we call the chemistry session, which is you know in effect it's a bit of a beauty parade. Somebody might be offered two or three coaches. You have a half an hour conversation with somebody and. And somebody's meant to pick a coach from that process. You sort of think, well, when you ask somebody, <laughs> so often I've asked somebody how much coaching you've ever had, none. Okay, so on what basis are you selecting the coach then? <laughs> You're just, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> yeah. just like, well. Um, so I think there's, so yeah, I think there are, there are definitely areas where you. I think perhaps I'd like to think with some experience, but but also I'm I would err on the on the conservative small C conservative side. Mm. Um, so I've had people who um i have said to them that we called a pause to the coaching when it's been really clear that the best thing they need is something other than coaching yeah and i would rather call that early uh with their um with their sort of okay and with the organization's okay and then we explore something else together and you know if they're happy to do that then either they'll go through that other form of help whatever that is yeah. um and then come back to coaching, or as you suggested, you might be able to do that in parallel. I think yeah. sometimes that's quite a lot for people to cope with.
1: Could be, And, yeah. um, and so uh,
0: there's, there's a danger of overload a little bit. But anyway, so that's, yeah, I would say uh, you get a, it's not an exact science for me. Now that's partly because I'm not a trained sort of psychotherapist. So, um, you know, it's, it's quite possible that a psychotherapist might look at some people I'm thinking kind of fine and say that they're not. Um, as long as they're operating okay within the coaching context, it's not my job to diagnose. Yeah, that's really important for coaches. You know, I'm not there. That's not my role.
1: Um,
0: so yeah, it's uh, a caution. I think is my overriding guide rail.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like you know you you are completely aware of of where that uh, where that would be, um, which which is obviously very reassuring. Um, and and the worry is, of course, that that some people aren't, and they they might be inclined to have, you know, perhaps read a book and think that they can deal with the complexity of uh, of, of the human um, in that way. But uh, well, the one the one thing I would just add, um,
0: Richmond, which which um, I think is also true, and I'm just offering it for balance, really, which is we all know all of us everyone listening to this podcast will know somebody that is kind of just awesome at something which if we looked at it would probably be called coaching or 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 something akin to it yeah they don't know they're doing it yeah yeah they've never read a book on it and see they've certainly not got any sort of formal qualification in it they're just Fabulous people, people, mm. and super supportive and great at asking questions, awesome at listening and all that sort of stuff. And so just, again, for the sake of balance, I'm not suggesting that that's, that's a, the preferred route for people, but the skill set yeah. um, uh, is, is, is attainable to all human beings, I think.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, you're so right, because, you know, that that person that people go to and have sometimes quite intimate conversations about some real troubles... Yeah. And that person just sits there and listens could be way better at that <laughs> than, than a therapist that's trained for 20 years in psychotherapy or something else. Yes. Um, which, yeah. which, you know, and this is this is the kind of the crazy thing in a way um that there can be someone unqualified who's just far more appropriate far more skilled i mean you know we've probably all all met such people particularly at courses conferences where you you get a, a mishmash of people coming from different anything and you know you might do um you know some some group work something and you think really blimey is that wow. you really uh, <laughs> you really do that as a job because it just doesn't seem to fit here somehow so it's not quite yes. right um yeah, but actually, you know so uh, you, you don't want to be you don't want to be judgy on on that um just just go back to you you said that the title of the masters was coaching and mentoring and um yes how do you how do you sort of discriminate what's the difference um it's, it's really
0: interesting actually i don't and what, I'm, what i mean by that is i don't because i don't do any mentoring um huh. well actually that's not entirely true that's not entirely true i guess i do mentor other coaches so i am yeah, fortunate enough that that for <laughs> whatever reason um people in this in the industry sort of would seem as something that I might quite get to sort of, you know, get some some sense from or some experience from. And I'm really happy to offer that. Um, I think if I was going to distinguish between the, the two, I think if you think about it as a Venn diagram, I think there's not a lot of overlap between those two circles. So if we think about coaching and mentoring as two separate things, I, I would see them as two sort of hula hoops that are kind of overlapping. And that overlap is, is often quite significant. And I would say that, you know, there are mentors whose style is almost imperceptible from a coach, and and certainly some coaches who are, whose style is almost you know indistinguishable from from somebody who is, is mentoring. Yeah, the couple of difference, key differences for me is um, often you seek out a mentor for their experience or their expertise in a particular technical area. Yeah, um, uh, often that relationship lasts. You know, a career or at least a you know, decent amount of time. Um, and although this is, to my point from earlier on, not exclusively true, often mentors will, will provide you with a lot of advice and guidance. Yeah. And so I would say they would be three characteristics of mentoring that then we could contrast with coaching, where coaches often not sort out for their expert their knowledge. They might be sort out for their expertise, but they're not sort out for, for a download.
1: Hmm. of
0: of insights and and facts and data and whatever um typically coaching <laughs> i'm only smiling because I'll, I'll share an anecdote in a minute um, <laughs> typically coaching is over a relatively defined period so i would yeah. say probably a year 18 months max and and a certain number of sessions um uh, and that domain knowledge piece i think is uh and sort of coach are not going to download and direct they're they're typically going to be less directive i say i think anyone that thinks there's such a thing as non-directive coaching is fooling themselves (laughs) i think you can be towards the end of that spectrum Mm. Um, but to tell me you've got no biases actually tells me you're just deceiving yourself yeah and yeah that's that a, self-awareness that's you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so there's there's some areas there you know I, I think coaches who will if you ever hear a coach say yeah I've been working with that leader for 10 years I, I think you have to be questioning actually whether they don't understand the definition of coaching mm. or actually they're just not very good at their job because <laughs> my my job as I see it is to do myself out of a job all right, so yeah. my role is to work with you for a defined period of time to help you get from your version of A to your version of B. Um, we might, we might meander on route, but you've got clearly defined end goal that you want to achieve or an end state that you want to achieve. Yeah, and My job is to help you get as close to that as we can over a given period
1: of time. And once that's done, I'm done. Yeah. Um, yeah. That really clarifies it actually. Um and, and again, when I think about in in healthcare, okay, there might be some conditions that, that need ongoing, um, you know, support and guidance. You know, someone might have diabetes, for example, or, yeah. or heart disease, and and they need. So that sounds a bit more like again, the, there's there's an element I can see elements of both there, the mentoring and the and the yeah. coaching. But the coaching might be to. Um, give someone a set of tools so that they can achieve their blood sugars at a certain level, for example, and sure. you achieve that, you now know how to do it. So you yeah. need to keep doing that. So I've, yeah. I've sort of done my job there giving you those skills and the confidence to do it. The mentoring bit might be just kind of checking in periodically yeah. as, it, as it moves on. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're still working on the same issue 10 years later, then yeah something's not really working out is it yeah and that's a really good point because it
0: may well be that you've got a coach you don't actually work with every every month for 10 years but but let's say yeah. you know i sometimes and this is lovely work to be able to do is somebody's now got another promotion mm. and so they've now got a new set of challenges so you might then go and work with them for another period of time and, yeah. and, and then you step away again i think it's when people have got you know either stuck or they want to move things forward um, significantly and they don't feel they're in the best place yet to do that yeah Um, that's fine I I think that's okay it's just coaches who are looking to sell the next piece of work and you know and I wouldn't say it's mis-selling but it's certainly not in the spirit of of coaching for me to try and keep somebody as a as a customer of mine longer than they need to be
1: yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely okay um who, who would you say have been your sort of greatest influences and and ongoing, you know, people that you sort of turn to now for inspiration? So I, I will always have a, um, a debt of gratitude
0: to Sharon Sands, the lady that I mentioned early on, because um, almost without me, me knowing it, she sort of was very, actually was super generous uh, early on in terms of helping with some work and and some development. So she was somebody that I, Still keep in touch with now, even though our paths have gone in quite different directions. Um, so she would be she would be one. Um, my own supervisor um, is a woman called um, Professor Tatiana Bakarova, um and she is somebody who looks at the world in such a <laughs> such a unique way. I, I often come away from supervision with my head is just sort of thudding, isn't <laughs> um and it's got it uh, yeah incredible absolutely amazing and so she would certainly be somebody else uh, in the coaching space specifically if that's where your question was going you know who i look to turn to and will regularly have some some coaching supervision with yeah um she's awesome a good mate of mine david Pilbeam, who co-authored um the leader id book that we wrote together um he's somebody else that i, I think i would really love people to look at the world But from a slightly different angle. Mm. David will say something and I'm thinking, oh, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) That's such a cool thing. Or, or, oh, that's that's kind of obvious, but not, and you know, and and it's sometimes be super simple. And yeah, he's somebody for whom I, I have a lot of time, and, and we will often be on calls like this that were meant to be, you know, half an hour, and an hour and a half later, we're just chuntering like two old geezers. <laughs> but we've kind of gone all over the place, um, yeah. and so yeah, it, there's there's people like that who who are you know forever in their debt because they've kind of informed the way that I think about things, and uh, yeah, awesome people to be with. Yeah.
1: But, you, I mean, look, there's, there's a synergy there. I mean, that's an example of a, of a working relationship that, that works. And, you know, to, to plan to have a brief conversation or half an hour or whatever, and then, you know, sometime later you're still chatting, there's still an energy, there's still, you know, you're both bringing something to the party.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think what we... There was definitely a period of time when we used to tape every call that we were ever on because because... <laughs> And this wasn't an age-related thing, obviously. <laughs> um, we often couldn't remember everything that we'd said. But, <laughs> but there were some nuggets in there. So uh, particularly when we were writing the book, we would take a topic that we wanted to build a chapter around and then take that, that conversation. Um, mm. And often, often some of it didn't get used, but it was just interesting thinking because we were often sort of co-creating on the call. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was quite fun
1: yeah no it sounds good what um tell me about the book what was the purpose
0: so the, so we'd had a lot of you know we'd been spending 15 years coaching senior leaders in organizations um and were keen to put some of that thinking down on paper uh and share that and we were fortunate we'd already self-published a book uh following some research that we'd done market research that we'd done and leader id was picked up by pearson publishing um and I'll be really honest they created a book that David and I wouldn't have written uh at least the shape of it wouldn't Mm have been um how it eventually ended up being I think it was a more commercial book for that purpose and that was probably a really good thing um uh we would have written something quite dry (laughs) (laughs) um in fact, if you, I, I might show you one of the first drafts at some point well, you know, <laughs> over a glass of red wine, maybe. <laughs> um, or if you need to go to sleep, I'll send you a coffee. It, but, it was, but it was different. You know, and it, was, it was how we, we'd sort of um, thought that was the best way to write it. We got some fantastic sort of suggestions from them. They held a hand through it. It was voted the business book of the month for one of the months uh, in 2016, wow. I think, and then got shortlisted for the um, Chartered Man- uh, Management Institute book of the year uh, business book of the year in a particular category which was fantastic um uh, and and it sort of felt like job done in many respects i mean he and i have talked about other books that we could write together um but in at least in terms of getting our view of leaders of what we were, we were calling leaders of character but i think we, we moved that to sort of transformational leadership really what is it what are the elements in our experience and our research that make up a, you know a transformational leader and, and then it became quite Practical. It's almost like a playbook. Okay. Mm. What if I was a if I was a leader and I wanted to move towards that, um, you know, what might that look like and be like and what might I need to work on? Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, great fun. Really good. I mean, mm. exhausting, but great fun to write. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so reading it's a, sort of like having a series of of coaching sessions working towards various things.
0: Yeah, and and the each chapter was finished, you know, as as often these books do, you know, with a set of tasks to take away and, and try and experiments to, to run but we also finished it you know with questions for you to to think about and reflect on and, yeah. and I think there was some power in in that because it was kind of coaching in a book if that makes yeah. sense
1: yeah yeah and so who who was buying it or who would buy it
0: well I, I think my mum bought several copies which yeah is good, great. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um uh, yeah, look, I, I, I can't tell you how successful it was. I, I, you know, we, we don't get um, royalty checks through the post every month, so let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> fantastic that it was so reviewed so positively on Amazon. But we got some lovely feedback from leaders who said, I've read this, it makes absolute sense to me, um, and you know, I'm working on bits of it. Actually, really interesting, my, my wife, who clearly is not a, 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 an objective reviewer of it, but is a very senior leader in a you know, large organisation, um, took it and said, Actually, there's a lot in this that I can and did reflect on, which was very pleasing. So that was, that was yeah. cool. Um, but what was also interesting is a number of coaches read it, and a number of coaches that we know use it for their leaders, and, and not just as, they, as in give them the book, but yeah. they talk about the framework that's contained in the book yeah. um, and help leaders kind of make sense of that move, often from very technical leader i might have been an awesome engineer or an awesome accountant or an awesome, awesome sort of uh tech kind of kind of geek and now i've been given a very senior position in an organization i'm expected to lead mm. and sometimes that transition as you well know is quite difficult for people because they're kind of defined by their technical expertise yeah. but but they yeah. don't want to be defined as a leader they want to still be defined as the guru to go to person in yeah. whatever their their uh vertical is and um so i think there are a number of leaders who who were given that framework through the coaches that they worked with, which is yeah, also really pleasing. So it was, yeah, all good.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. We were talking, I think it was before we started recording, you asked about who, who listens to this. And I said, well, you know, you, you get people listening to to podcasts that wouldn't necessarily be in the same field. Um, but yet yeah, you can still take something away. And, and, and you know, I know you do that, and I've done that in terms of the, the if you look at my bookshelf, there's all, all sorts of yeah. stuff on there. Um, and and you know, most of the books I could say, yeah, that's helped me in this or that's helped me in that. Nothing to do with pain, nothing to do with health, nothing to do yeah. with coaching, it might be just to be with to, to do with what it's to be human or conscious or, or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so I think that's great when a book offers something to, to lots of different people, rather than just this kind of niche. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's really interesting, because I, I think part of that, the premise of that book um, was exactly what you just said, which is actually the, the premise is that the more developed you are as a human being, the more effective your leadership will be. So, you know, as you as a human being go through that development phase, and, and that's kind of an active development, not just age, um, you know, a- actively developing yourself your responses to situations and to people and to, and to things that you come across, you know, will can be more nuanced. And we use the word sophisticated a lot, which I know has some some, you could misinterpret the word sophisticated, but in this sense, that means you're able to have more perspectives on something and then make a decision based on a range of perspectives rather than perhaps a singular uh, view of the world. And okay. so to your point, you know, having a range of books on your bookshelf speaks to me about how rounded a human being you are and, and therefore it's perhaps not surprising that you mm. you are where you are in your own yeah. kind of career and things because of that roundedness, you know, that, that that rounded nature of you as a human being. Yeah,
1: it's luck, I think, in, in an extent, because who, you know, I, you sort of don't feel that you set out to be a rounded human being. You just seem to be lucky enough to be interested in, in lots of different things and see that, see that relevance.
0: Yeah. I, I have a, I do struggle with the concept of luck, and, and I and, and I get that. I do get it, and I think it's fortunate to have been born in a, into a certain family, into a certain way of you know, and all of those. I think the upbringing thing is you, you don't choose your parents, right? So mm. or you, don't, you don't choose that, and so there are definitely elements of being fortunate. Um, but but you know, don't discount the fact that actually to read those books and to apply them takes work. Yeah, And so, you yeah. know, the the outcomes of your efforts for me would, wouldn't be down to luck, it's down to application, consistency, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, those things. But I I, I I get what you're saying, but but um, there's very often I hear people who ascribe their success to luck and it's quite self-effacing and it's humble yeah. and, it's all of, and it's all of those things. Yeah. I, I think sometimes just think about actually what have you done to be, you know, what's that old adage about? The the harder I practice, the luckier I seem to get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a bit of that in there for
0: sure. And yeah, I'm not, maybe, as I say, I'm not I'm not denying circumstance as yeah. lucky because that's definitely your sure. Health, you know, you can look after self but still be struck down terribly by yeah. something that's, you know, you just unlucky. But
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it maybe it kind of somehow borders a little bit on on gratitude as well. You know, just being grateful for the fact that. I was born into these circumstances. I, I had a good education and, and, and lear- learned to learn, had the ability to learn and the opportunity to learn rather than wanting to learn and, and not have the opportunity because I was perhaps a, a carer from a young age or, or my home circumstances were such where it was impossible to learn, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and it's interesting because I hadn't thought about that, but I wonder if if you, if you ascribe your circumstances to luck are you less grateful than you might otherwise be? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, no, good call.
1: Yeah, and then it kind of we, you kind of move into the area of of talent, which which taps in nicely because I wanted to ask you about your, um, you know, your sporting achievements. Right, go on. <laughs> no, you tell me. <laughs>
0: Um, honestly they feel like a different lifetime ago uh, <laughs> I, I and then when I look at the number of years between when I last sort of competed um, you know and now it probably for lots of people is more than a lifetime ago um, yeah in brief I, it's not some I, I, I but it, to your point the gratitude thing absolutely and I do recognize a the sacrifice that my parents mostly made and then my wife made when we were newly married about me being quite selfish and quite focused on you know on the work that i was doing in the sporting place but um but i absolutely loved it i was an international uh, judo player so i i competed for great britain in um, junior world and european championships i was on two olympic squads um like boxing they only tend to take one person in each weight group so i never attended the, the olympics but i was in those squads in hmm. 84 and 88 and because i was physical in that way um rugby which was my passion actually um i, I had england trials for for rugby uh and so yeah i just love sport and i love it i've still really acted now yeah um but i don't compete per se uh but i i just the physicality thing's really important to me i, yeah. I get a bit antsy if i'm not able to Run or train or, or do something. I, I, it, it, that that that's one of the few things that makes me frustrated. Actually, I'm, I'm fairly even tempered otherwise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but it's the bit it's the bit that can make me a bit crotchety.
1: Yeah yeah yeah. Do, do you think that those early experiences of you know reaching that that high level in in sports sort of did that? Do you think that made it inevitable that that you would go into this kind of field?
0: I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Inevitable, <clears throat> or at least very likely. Maybe. I think it's probably more inevitable that I, that I, that I prefer to work, you know, with that back to the sweet spot conversation from earlier on, you know, with people who are aspirational and are willing to put in a shift to get to what yeah. they want to achieve. And, and it's, that's probably my sweet spot. I would guess that's the, the, the bit where there's that sort of leak through from, from one area to the other, I guess yeah um yeah yeah i think
1: that's that's a good call because it sounds in a way that you're sort of describing what you've done and yourself the fact that you know you you're highly motivated you're prepared to put in a shift so you want to work with other people like that um I, you we used the word humble earlier on. I,
0: I am genuinely humbled by you know senior leaders who are working a ridiculous number of hours. Now that's a debate in itself and often a coach the the topic of coaching conversations <laughs> in itself, right? But you know, these things I, I think there are there is a there is a view that's held by some people, you know, that these sort of fat cats who are at the top of large organizations, you know, are on business lunches all day. Oh, they not anymore, obviously, but <laughs> they're on business. Um th- their lives are typically Arduous. Mm. I mean, and and yes, they get rewarded really well for it. Don't get me wrong, but but it's it's tough, tough yards um, yeah. to do the kind of work that they that they do. So um, I, I both respect that and then try and help them adjust, often adjust the balance a little bit, but without losing the drive and without losing that sort of drive for attainment. I guess.
1: Yeah, kind of bringing, if I can use the term. I'm not sure if you use it or not, you know, self-care or self-compassion into the mix?
0: Yeah, and those are words that have only arrived, I think, in most businesses relatively recently. So if you'd have have used the term self-care even, I don't know, three years ago, you might have got laughed out of the room.
1: (laughs) What Uh, about in the 80s if you'd have gone in? Everyone, (laughs) self-compassion. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure, yeah. Um, So... I, but I think this what's really interesting is I wonder I don't know if you do, if you're seeing any of this, but I wonder whether the whole pandemic lockdown kind of situation has accelerated access to those kind of conversations with those kind of topics that, mm-hmm. that might have taken a little bit. I, I, we were seeing it before, but I, I, would you would you think that that's been accelerated by the by the lockdown and things?
1: I I think there's been a lot of um, or more writings about it and in the media and and that kind of thing. And and obviously people sharing their own experiences um, of of what they're doing and and certain realizations of of what's important and recalibrating with one's values and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think I think there's an opportunity there that we can we can tap into as a as a global society and how we care for ourselves and each other. I, I just hope we don't default and just go back to yeah, me too. how it was. Um, and I mean, like you, this this has been a period uh, an interesting period. It's not been you know entirely trouble free, but it's you know there has been opportunity to think about how to do things better and better yeah. for certainly for you know the way that I work and and the people around me and you know loved ones and and prioritizing that more. And and I think a lot of people have felt that, um, yeah. and but we're lucky to be able to feel that. Some people haven't, you know, some people haven't had that opportunity because they've just been overwhelmed by all the different elements of it. So so where we have been able to, we need to then create space for them to. It shouldn't be just for the lucky few. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um,
1: and and that that's kind of what that's the bit that gets me, and I'm not sure. Yeah how to do that I mean you can't do it on your own I mean this is a social thing this is a about how yeah, society it is. works.
0: and, and, and certainly we you know we're talking with lots of organizations at the minute and they are wrestling you know they're wrestling with that very question I think which is you know how do we I, yeah I, for about 18 months I know for about 12 months 14 months I've been asking organizations to think about what's the purpose of work Mm. Um, which sounds like an esoteric kind of uh, conceptual co- question, but actually, you know, this is probably a moment in time when you could make really radical changes and have a very good reason for doing so. And, yeah. and to your point, you know, what's your role in, you know, in supporting the human beings that actually you know produce the profit <laughs> that, yeah. that you, you are seeking. And and I don't have a problem with profits, you know, I'm, I'm working the free market. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, but I, but it's, that care, that social element and ESG is a big thing. CSR is a big thing, three, three letters that if you're not sure what they are, go look them up. But, but you know, businesses are focusing increasingly on that because shareholders will only invest in companies who have that sensitivity Mm. to sustainability, you know, uh, and to decent governance. So it it could be, to your point, could be a really important moment in time um, as long as we don't suffer from short-term memory and, and all the back mm. that what it was before.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think that the priorities have to be people and the planet. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how we look after each other and, and how we look after the planet. And, and I think there's huge entwine in, in those. And and I, I've always felt that, you know, businesses can do this. There's, there's a, plenty of examples of businesses that do look after their people yeah. very well. Yeah. There's no reason why, you know... I know certain industries are are known for that not happening. I don't see any reason why they can't update their their approaches at all. I'd go a
0: bit further actually Richmond and suggest that actually um, organisations of all sizes are a surrogate community that actually society doesn't have quite so much as it did have. So, you know, actually we're all pretty fractured in many respects of the word, but actually the one place that people come together you know there used to be lots of different places that people would come together the one place that people come together whether it's virtual or actual you know is work mm-hmm. and, and therefore what is the role of work in that bringing together uh, and and caring for the people that you are calling together into that community
1: yeah yeah no i think we're we're absolutely on the on the same page there my um My uncle was um, was a philosopher, actually, and um, based in France. So he was Austrian originally. Um, And um, most of the stuff he wrote about, I completely don't understand. Um, But I was chatting to my dad recently and he, he summarized it nicely that he spoke about kind of three, three aspects of life, you know, work, pleasure and rest um and, and i thought that kind of captured something i haven't spent too much time thinking about it but i'm, I'm going to and i'll probably dig into his readings a bit more um uh, about it just to to find out but but they're, they're the sort of the main the main categories if you like and i think that we can we should be able to flexibly move between them they should support each other
0: yes yes There's a nice i'd be interested to see uh, it might be a topic for another conversation actually at mm. some point um because yeah. it's, it's important. It is important and increasingly important to the businesses that we speak to is their awareness of it, their challenges, how they actually make it happen. And so, um, yes, yeah, some fundamental background reading might be useful for me to be able to help them get
1: to where they need to as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, fantastic. So, sure. so just, just finally, you know, you, you've, we've talked obviously a lot about your, your, the coaching aspect and, and now or, or in more recent times how you're, you're delivering products. That are clearly around coaching but but can you just tell me about those products and what what they do and what they're for
0: yeah so um in 2015 uh, i had a conversation with david pilbing who i mentioned earlier on uh, we were stuck on the m6 with motorway in the uk heading north and uh and started to do our normal sort of spitballing conversations as i as i discussed earlier on and uh i said to him the one thing that sticks slightly in my craw about coaching is it's very elitist and not that the coaching is it's that organizations can't afford coaching across the organization and I think there are some statistics to suggest that actually only four percent of an organization typically get access Mm -hmm. to coaching and kind of the light bulb went on for me at that point which is okay what would we need to do to democratize the benefits of coaching and and okay if we think about democratizing we're basically meaning it's got to be accessible yeah um, and it's got to be cheap enough that people can get access to you know a widely accessible um, process and and people like me aren't going to reduce our day rate by 95 percent to make the cost um, you know reasonable and and also there aren't sufficient number of coaches despite what we said about the fact that every everybody in the market seems to be a coach um there just aren't enough yeah. coaches to go to go around to do that and so technology seemed to be yeah, part of the solution and in brief you know exigence which is the name of the company that i um, or the brand rather that i started in the um back in the last year uh is dedicated to building coaching products at that scale yeah. so um, we have an ai coach called integra that uses uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to be able to deliver coaching conversations using particular topics um uh to an entire organization if you chose to wow. um and then other other topics. So we have a a methodology that we created that enables coaches to hold coaching conversations in 20 minutes. Um, And so you could scale that to an entire organization or at least a large cohort uh, of an organization so that when somebody needed coaching on demand, you know, they could phone a coach who happens to be showing on an app as online right now, a bit like, you know, WhatsApp shows you that that somebody's online now and you can just click on that and and get access to a coach there Mm -hmm. and then. Um, group coaching so individual leaders that come together with other group coach leaders from other organizations and, and and come together in groups of five so again they're kind of scalable coaching not yeah. just that, and in addition to by the way the one-to-one traditional stuff that we still do but, yeah. but our, our emphasis is really you know pursuing this this mission to democratize the benefits of coaching not just to democratize coaching but to democratize the benefits of coaching yeah. uh, to the widest you know the widest number of people
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And and how's that going? I mean, particularly over the last year, I mean, tough, hmm.
0: tough because they're quite risky, you know, they're they're, they're all quite risky products, they're early still in their um, development. Um, But it's, it's genuinely uh, humbling and awesome when somebody sees Integra, sees it work and goes, that is absolutely amazing. I didn't know that was even doable, and you know this is still a product that's still in its relatively early days. But I, I was chatting with the chief people officer of a tech uh, organisation. Genuine, genuine story. I can't name the company, but yeah. um, and she was absolutely fantastic. And she went. I use this every day. Wow. <laughs> I'm thinking, blimey, I don't even use it every day. <laughs> so, so, so she's a kind of real, uh, you know, a real uh, sort of a follower of it. So, you know, it's, that's fab. And so my job now as I see it is to lead that the development of that company. And you asked me about coaching. I, I see my role differently, which is, yes, I'll do some coaching to keep my hand in. But it's to drive, you know, a company that's that's got this clear mission, uh, build products that people love and will use and and then grow the business yeah. in that space so that, that's where I am right
1: now yeah wow that sounds really exciting and you've already got some some early adopters uh yeah. which is great isn't it because they're you know they, they're kind of sold on things straight away they're up for the challenge they, they're they ride with the ups and downs they're happy to go with the adventure yeah um, yeah so
0: yeah and I need to um I think you're you're quoting a book which actually I, I know people can't see but um the idea of crossing oh. the chasm, which is which is exactly that idea of yours, which is you know you've got your early adopters who you know who uh, will buy things mostly because they're there and they mm. want to experiment with it. Um, but the challenge then becomes, and this is my business challenge: is how do I access the main market? Yeah. You know, and how do we how do we position the products uh, so that the main market accept it? And that's my job. So that's, yeah. that's kind of what I'm working on.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so who who are you sort of targeting that? at who who would be the audience for the products i
0: think the different products will 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 be targeted at different parts of an organization so um you know we're we're focusing very much at the moment on sort of highly technical businesses Um, um, but but i would say everyone from sort of basic team leaders you know you might have a team of two or three right the way through to not this is not this is not like for like so you don't get an executive coaching experience through ai yeah. What you get is if you've never had coaching, you can have some fantastic coaching conversations with an app. Yeah, uh, and, and so, you know, different levels of the organisation. So what we're calling our approach a full stack approach, which is a, a term I nick from software, But basically we've got exec coaching at the top for the top of the organisation. And then we can provide you with AI coaching, you know, down to frontline employees if you choose to mm-hmm. and put pretty much everything in between. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the plan is that we are kind of one-stop shop for yeah. organisations who want, you know, to provide the benefits of coaching to the greatest number.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to chat, you know, at some point down the line to see where where, and how that's, that's going. Because it just seems like, again, you know, with everything that's happened, it just seems that you're in a, in a great position there.
0: Well, well, let the, the, as you say, let's let's schedule in a call and, and yeah. let's see whether I've managed to do what I need to do. Because I'm genuinely convinced by the products and what we're trying to do. It's have I got the skill set myself as somebody who's spent all their time coaching? You know, can I can I learn to be an effective leader of a growth business? And you know, the proof of the pudding will be perhaps in a
1: you know couple of years time, maybe. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Oh well, great. Look, it's been so good to uh, to catch up and and dig into. You know your stories and what you've been up to and your philosophy and things. So, so thanks so I much. I
0: really enjoyed. No, I really, really enjoyed it. It's lovely to to reconnect with you. Um, It's been a couple of weeks since we had our last chat, but but that's fab, and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed having a little wander down memory lane and <laughs> some of those kind sort of theoretical chats as well. So, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really, I really love the invitation. Thank you.
1: Brilliant. So, where where can people find you?
0: Uh, LinkedIn is probably the the best place to find me. That's te- where I tend to put most of my kind of thinking and rambling, <laughs> rambling <laughs> thoughts. So that's probably the best place. Our website is www.exigence, dot eco So not .co.uk, but just .co. Just um, yeah. People can kind of go and have a look at some of the things we've been talking about there.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I'll, I'll put all that on the, um, on the page, so people can easily um, link to okay. you. Pretty so um, well, no, thanks again, and um, yeah, let's uh, let's catch up down the line, and uh, I'll be excited to hear how it's all going. Yeah, brilliant. Keep safe. Keep well, sir. Cheers. Take care.